Hey guys, Dan Waltzman here. Welcome back to the Edgy Conversations podcast. I'm excited. I'm excited because all of this month on this podcast where we tackle radical hope for people who want it. That's our mission. That's our mantra. That's our mojo. That's what we do. That's why you're here. So you're working out or driving to the office or whatever you're planning on taking a break in the middle of the day around lunchtime. Maybe you've got me on 2x speed, which by the way, I've learned might not be the best way to listen to this podcast. I think I already talk fast. So when you add me at 2x speed, woo, doggy, I'm imagining I'm flying through all of this content really fast. We're talking about purpose, and we've already talked about some of the myths around purpose. And if you missed some of those episodes, go grab them because they're really important. In fact, that was so powerful, we put it into two different episodes, part one and part two. We've never done that before with the topic. 80 some odd episodes in, we've just never done that. And so I was beginning to think of in this idea of purpose today. And a quote from Epictetus, he's a Greek philosopher, and I, and I may have been saying his name wrong, he's not here to uh, defend himself, so a, a, a sorry, um, Epictetus, E-P-I-C-T-E-T-U-S, Epictetus, said this, and I guess it doesn't really matter how to say his name as it does what he said so powerfully. And that is this, here, here's his quote, men are not disturbed by things, but by the views they take of them. Let me say that again. Men are not disturbed by things, but by the views they take of them. And what does that mean? That, that means that our thoughts, not the actual events happening around us, create our moods and create our feelings. We get upset. We lose purpose. We lose sight of finding our purpose and maintaining our purpose simply because of the way we think and then feel about what is going on around us. And so today, I wanted to take a couple minutes and talk about how to work past the, the negative thoughts and feelings that hold us back from being empowered, powerful people. Are you ready? Let's jump in. I don't know about you, but I struggle with self-esteem. Now, that might be surprising to those of you in the audience. You're thinking, dude, you've got a million plus fans or followers on Facebook. You've got you know millions of views. On YouTube, you've got a book that sold, you know, hundreds and hundreds of hundred, half a million plus copies. And here you are sharing the fact that you, you lack self-esteem, but it's the truth. My wife will tell you, some of my closest friends will tell you, I'm always interpreting the world, especially when negative things happen as what could I have done better? Not face value. And if you've got kids, you want them to learn this idea of accountability. You want them to understand that they're in control of their destiny, their results. They own their results. They own their outcomes. It is what it is. You created it. You can change it. And it's all on you. But over time, at 39 years old, I've got some negative head trash. It's built up in me over time because things that are outside my control, that I, I things I have no bearing on, right? That I just I have nothing to do with them. I'm now blaming myself. I have a negative self-image because of how those things work out. Let me give you an example. How many of you have ever been fired from a job and you were doing just a smash out, incredible, I guess smash out, is that good? I think it's good. You've been doing a bang up job. I think that's a, probably a better choice of words. You're just, you're crushing it. You're doing well. And all of a sudden you get a pink slip and you're, you're, you're fired. I, I've, I'm trying to think, 
I've, I don't think I've ever been fired per se, but I know I have had several of the businesses that I was running go belly up, which I guess it means I'm firing myself. But you've experienced some sort of personal failure and you're thinking, God, I suck. I mean, I, I am just awful. <laughs> like if I, what is my problem that all these things keep coming back to me? In fact, often I'll say this in my house and my wife will have to correct me. What, what's my problem? Like what is wrong with me that these things keep happening to me? Notice the language. Notice the language. Men are not disturbed by things, but by the view they take of them. How many of you learned information later in life that applied a new color? It gave a new, like, it gave a new meaning to a circumstance that happened earlier in life. Like, let's say you got fired from a job and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm a loser. Every, you know, this happens to me all the time. I, man, I'm doing something really well. I get fired. Man, what a complete loser I am. And the reality is somebody at an executive level made a mistake and now because profits aren't good, we're laying off people. Had nothing to do with you at all. You just didn't realize it until later. So I want to talk about this idea of distorted thinking and, I'm, and, I'm, and, and we're going to talk about it in this episode and perhaps in the next episode to follow. But let me share a personal story that happened so you can see how a negative self-image and a lack of looking at things as they are but letting my feelings influence me cause perhaps the most memorable loss I've ever had in my running career. Back in 2012, I think it was 2012, 2011, 2012, I started getting into ultra running. And I, I didn't know anything about it at the time. It just seemed like people were running these big distances. It seemed like that was scary. It seemed like that was impossible. People around me were scared of it, and I thought, well, if it seems impossible, it seems like something I should be doing. So let me jump in and actually see how I could actually make this whole thing work. I first started just looking at what races my friends were running, what sort of events were they doing, and the 50K or, uh, seemed like a good place to get started. 50 kilometers, it's about 31 miles. In South Carolina, there were a couple of races local that I thought, well, sure, let's go, let's go, let's go make them happen. My first 50 K, which is about 30 miles in the woods. I think I did it about four, four and a half, maybe five hours. I don't remember the exact time. And then I ran a 55 K uh, after that. And then I signed up for this race called the bad marsh 50 K. I thought I got this, like I've done a couple under my belt. I came in third in one. I came in fourth in another, like I got this. I'm going to go do this. So I, uh, I, I only signed up for race races, at least initially in South Carolina, because I thought since they're close, I'll be able to make it. I can fit it around family and everything's going to be great. I had one of these particular weeks where I was traveling. I was busy. I was on the road. And I ended up coming back from Washington, D.C., where we're headquartered. And I, 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 it was very busy. And I adjusted my schedule so I can make it back for this race. Now, listen, looking at hindsight may not have been the perfect plan. I probably should have said, let me step back from this race. But I didn't. I said, I'm going to do this. I don't care what happens. I kind of came home. Put, put my running stuff in a bag, and then proceeded to drive uh, what I thought was four hours to the starting line of this race. Now, of course, uh, I'm hearing all kinds of very reasonable, but what I thought at the time uh, was naggy or upsetted. You know, I'm getting all kinds of hell from my wife, right? How, you know, why would you do this? Your priorities are out of whack. All true, all true. At the time, I thought she was picking on me. I thought she was being unreasonable. 
And I got in my car and I determined to keep going. Well, I was driving and I'm driving and I'm and all in my head, I'm building up this tr- this negative self trash. You know, it doesn't matter what you do, it's not good enough. Have you ever thought about that? I'm not the only one, am I? You know, and this is ridiculous. And I I'm so upset and and I get I get not uh, down the road and and I think the race was closer. Uh, well, it's, it's, it was in South, South Carolina. So it's close to the edge of Florida. I'm driving, I'm driving, I'm driving. And I gave myself a couple hours of buffer. What I didn't know was I would need every single minute there. So I'm driving, I'm driving one hour and two hour and three hours. And I notice I'm sitting in some horrible traffic around the Charleston area, like horrible. I am not going to get there on time. So again, my heart rate goes up. I'm panicking. Uh, it takes me not just four hours, but four and a half hours. It takes me five hours. It takes me five and a half hours. And I'm thinking, I've got 15 minutes and this race is about to begin. I haven't even gotten there. I get to the starting line. Finally, finally, it's a grass parking lot. I'm one of the last ones there. So I'm way at the back end of this. I grab my bag and I'm literally running to the starting line. I'm running to the start. And this is a looped course. So I'm going to run this loop several times, and then whoever's at the at the end of it wins. I get to the starting line. They literally hand me my badge, my 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 tag, my running bib that has my number on it. I'm putting it on. I'm trying to change shoes, get my shorts on. They're like, hurry, hurry, hurry! We're about ready to go, and I have probably four minutes to spare before they hit the gun. Go, <laughs> gun goes off. I bound up towards the front. Some of the people up really up front are running. Six and a half, seven minute miles. By the way, it's called Bad Marsh for a reason. You're slipping and sliding through some pretty muddy mud. I mean, when I say muddy mud, I mean the kind that you're like, there's grass in it, but you're sliding and it's a, it's, it's just mud, 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 mud coming up over your shoes. And I'm running, I'm running. I run one mile and two miles in my head. I'm, I'm playing the movie of this last day. Why am I being picked on? It's never good enough. I'm busting my ass to make money as, a, as the father and the spouse and the leader of this family. No one cares. No one appreciates. I'm running this stupid race. I got here late. Traffic is horrible. And my thoughts, my thoughts, my views, men are not disturbed by things, but by the views they take of them, my views were horribly negative. About 18 miles into this race, I did something I'd never done before. I said, fuck it, I'm done. And when I came back, because it was a looped course, when I came back to the starting line, I literally walked over, picked up my bag and started walking away. And I said, I'm all done. In racing, we call this DNF, did not finish. In real life, we call this quitting. Now, of course, the medical staff came over. They looked at me and they said, dude, what do you need? Do you need help? What's wrong? Did you hurt something? Did you fall down? There's no mud on me on my knees or anything. So clearly I wasn't, hadn't fallen. It was all between my ears. The injury I had was between my ears. Wasn't on my knees. I get back in my car and I start driving what turned out to be four, four and a half hours home. Of course, I get home early. My wife says, why are you home early? I said, I dropped out of the race, which then she said, why would you do that? Now, if this story ended here, it would just be a simple story of quitting on a race. And Only one other time have I had to quit a race, and that was for medical reasons. Maybe two times I've had to stop for medical reasons. But this is the only time I just quit because mentally my head said, I'm all done. About three or four months later, I was running a marathon. What's interesting in the racing community, especially in the elite elite community, is that you all know the top runners, the top players. I'm running this marathon. 
I finished running a marathon. I run an incredible time for me. I finished in the top five in this uh, popular marathon. I finished. And as I leave, I notice behind me someone, his name uh, was Merrill, who had run uh, that race for me. And I said, oh, hey, hi, Merrill. How are you? We begin to engage and talk for a few minutes. And I said, by the way, whatever ended up happening to that race? And I was referencing the race, the Bad Marsh race that we're running. And he said, oh, I won. Here's what's interesting. Merrill went on to tell me a story that he was running in 16th place and all 15 of the people in front of him quit, gave up, got injured, or just slowed down and just gave up. It was over. And I was one of those top 15 people. Can you believe it? In fact, I was one of the top five runners. Here's what's interesting. Until that day, I had never, ever won an ultra marathon. Can you believe that? I'd competed. I'd tried hard. I'd gotten top five, but I'd never actually won. Had I finished running that race, it's very likely just by finishing it at a reasonable pace, maybe even slow down, I would have not just won, but I would have blown the doors off a win. I'll tell you that long story to come back to the central point. It is our thoughts that become things. It is not the events around us that cause us to lose our purpose. It's not. It is not the actual events. It's not the fact that you got fired. It's not the fact that you're struggling in a relationship. You can't find your purpose because you are interpreting, and I'm doing it too. And I just shared an intimate example of how I did it and what it cost me. Is that we, because we interpret these things negatively through the lens of our own frustration, what ends up happening is we have distorted thinking, distorted purpose, and we can't see the clarity we need to achieve greatness. Now, I'm going to extend this episode into two parts as well because I want to share some of the ways that we have distorted thinking. Because we have a little bit of time, I wanted to share two of those ways that we have distorted thinking right now. Number one, we have what's called all-or-nothing thinking. Have you ever looked at something in absolutes, black and white. Maybe you're not the black and white guy, but you've got a friend and everything is either right or wrong or it's up or down. There's no middles. I'm a gray person, uh, a million shades of gray, right? Everything is. It's all about strategy and effectiveness and public relations and how we massage the message to get it stated correctly, right? All of that stuff. I've got people on my team who are black and white. We're doing this. Uh, Well, maybe. (laughs) It's black or white. Yes, no. Yes, no. Up, down. And so, uh, with with all or nothing thinking, you might call yourself a loser because I didn't succeed. So that's it. It's black and white. I'm a loser. I could have done better. I didn't do better. And so these statements we make that are black and white often distort us, give us negative feelings, which blind us to our purpose. But it's not just black or white thinking. By the way, there's nothing wrong with having absolutes. Don't, don't, don't read that into this. There are absolutes, there are rights, there are wrongs, there are lines that should not be crossed. But sometimes when you're too negative, when you're too tough on yourself, when you make what is the next thing, the next flaw over generalizations, it can come back to hurt you. So I was having a bad day when I was running that race or before I quit running that race. But for me, I shouldn't have been overgeneralizing that situation. I was having a bad day. It wasn't the end of the world. How many times have you, you know, you failed 
and you call yourself a complete loser when you're not a loser, you just failed in that venture or you failed at that time, or you didn't get the results you wanted in that exact motion that you were going through. Now, it's easy to have the feeling that I'm a failure or this is a loss or I'm a loser simply because you didn't achieve everything you wanted to achieve. But the reality is that overgeneralization is what blinds you to finding and keeping your person. I, look, I'm going to come back to these. I've got um, nine or 10 points here about how our distorted thinking blinds us from finding and keeping our purpose. On the next episode, I'm going to share some more of these points. So come back. Don't miss this episode. We're going to do two parts for this one. I want to remind you, if you don't have your monthly calendar, go into the edgy empire of awesomeness and grab it. Uh, it's a brand new redesign for 2018. It looks beautiful. It's incredible. So take a moment, go get that. I can't wait to come back on the next episode of the edgy conversations podcast and continue this discussion about distorted thinking, why purpose gets hidden behind the cloud of bad thoughts, bad feelings, and things that we can fix. See you on the next one, guys.